You are listening to Conscious Living Conversations, your online portal to expanded awareness on conscious lifestyles, community living, regenerative design, holistic health freedom, spirituality, and much more. Find your conscious tribe on our new social network, ConsciousLiving.Social. Hi, Zara. It's such a pleasure to see you again after many years. I believe we first met in person at the Herbal Convergence Conference in Costa Rica, which was beautiful. You gave a presentation. You shared your personal story of healing from cancer and gave a presentation on uh, immune-boosting mushrooms and probably herbology in general, but I, I can't recall. I just remember I have a notebook full of notes from that conference. It was phenomenal. So because we're going to be talking about some sensitive subjects, it's sensitive in terms of social media space and some of the censorship out there, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Um, because usually what happens is when someone starts speaking um, their truth and the truth on these matters, uh, they basically character assassinations ensue. That's probably like one of the first attacks that I hear. It's like, you are not an expert, therefore you have no ability to speak or even have an opinion on the issue. So can you please share with us how you know what you know about natural health and about health in general? Yeah. So uh, I'm a holistic health practitioner, which uh, it sounds kind of vague, but that's because I have been training in a lot of different modalities for over 20 years. Um, and even before I went into any formal training, uh, I was raised in an environment of people who do a lot about health. You know, my mom ran a health food store. I had family members that were yoga teachers and nurses and herbalists and acupuncturists. And so I grew up with that knowledge and that influence around me and then uh in my early 20s i started having some pretty serious health issues i i really believed that my path in life was in the performing arts and that had been my passion since i was very young dance and theater mostly and uh, and then i got really sick and my body forced me to take a different route and when conventional medicine failed me and even hurt me a number of times, I realized that I had to learn for myself the, the right people and the right methods and the right treatments for my own healing. And when I started to receive um, a lot of breakthroughs in healing with traditional Chinese medicine, that really inspired me. And so I, my first training is I went to school for traditional Chinese medicine, which is a field that includes many things, you know, it, it includes nutrition, it includes herbalism, it includes uh, practices such as, you know, fire cupping or acupuncture, as well as an understanding of the bodily systems and how they work. And so treating the internal system. Um, and so that was the beginning. And then just being the type of person that I am, and also the complex health issues that I personally had to deal with, I just continued my education, and that included many things. And so that includes uh, Ayurvedic uh, trainings and bodywork therapies, herbalism, dietary therapies and nutrition, um, neurofeedback, working with different indigenous traditions and shamanic approaches and different ancient healing methods. And for me, um, so it's been all these different things, you know, continually adding on and adding on. 
And I'm also a researcher and I'm very interested in the truth. And I'm also a writer, I have a blog and I also write for several other people's websites and blogs. And so for me, it's been pretty much since I got sick in my early twenties, it's been a nonstop continual education as well as the education that comes from experience such as you know working in clinics and working in healing centers working in retreat centers having my own private practice um so that is in a nutshell my own credentials experience and kind of understanding of or my my way of getting to where i'm at of understanding how the human body works and how we can heal Great. So it sounds like you're very integrative. You have a lot in your toolkit, if you will. And do you also uh, use some allopathic approaches or are you open to allopathic interventions? And when do you feel there's a place, there is a place for that essentially? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, I, you know, I'm not a person that goes and gets regular checkups and all those things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. It's just, I tend to really understand my body and I know when something's off or if I feel like I needed to get, you know, some further diagnostics, I might do that. I've also been working in a functional medicine clinic for a while where I have had access, you know, to things like blood work and testing and all of that, if I really wanted it. And so just to put that out there, you know, you don't have to always go to the, the allopathic conventional doctors to, to get an understanding of what's going on inside your body. Um, but I'm not absolutely against it either. I'm just really not a supporter of most conventional medicine when it comes to internal health and to disease management, into, into healing overall. I think that its place does best when it comes to emergency and acute situations and which I personally, you know, I've had situations where I needed that myself. You know, I remember breaking my arm and I needed to go to the doctor and have it checked out and put in a cast and all that. Or when I first moved to Costa Rica, my then one-year-old son had a cut that later became very infected and became a systemic infection very, very quickly, like within a few days. And his life was saved by bringing him to the clinic and having him on a really strong IV antibiotic. You know, so I think there's situations where it can help us. And there's even some, you know, modern medicines that can be used at times for, for emergency or very intense situations. But the way that we're utilizing this technology and this understanding of health approach, I just think it's, it's way off. Like, I don't think that that's where we need to be going to heal the diseases that are showing up in, in humanity because right now the best approaches they have are chemicals and surgeries and that's pretty harsh you know that's really a harsh approach to trying to heal somebody exactly i i feel there's been a pretty much a a war on natural health for decades now but I, it's reached a culmination point where all the methodologies you you listed that you are experienced in that go back thousands of years um, especially traditional Chinese medicine and others, um, are actually being labeled as pseudoscience and not really mm -hmm. scientific. So I, can, we, can we tackle that question first and foremost? And also now that we're in the age of pandemic, um, basically not, no one is qualified to speak up on the issue of virology. You have to be a, yeah. an expert of an expert or an expert of the experts <laughs> to, to pronounce yourself as such and have an opinion, have a have cautionary advice or anything to say on the matter. What, what do you think of that? 
Yeah, that's to me, it's wrong because, you know, so many people are, are self-taught because of their own health conditions, because conventional medicine does not have the answers for them. And so if they have been affected by a virus of any kind, they can become very well-educated people trying to figure out what's going on with them. And I understand that really well, you know, having dealt with the Epstein-Barr virus for a very large portion of my life, which then left me very susceptible for a while to other viruses, I became an avid researcher of viruses and virology and the contagiousness and the, the way that we prevent and treat these types of things and how we can treat it from inside of ourselves to, to prevent even having these infections. And so, you know, and I, you see that in the Lyme's community, you see that in the cancer communities where, yeah, these people haven't been to medical school, but the, the physicians, the doctors, the medical industry has failed them so much that they take it upon themselves to research and be educated. So I, I'm not in support of that idea that nobody, unless you have all these, you know, PhDs and all this professional training that you can't know anything. I think that you can. It doesn't mean that everybody knows how to research well or because they're researching, they have the full truth. But I think we need to encourage people to seek the truth and have these discussions and get self-educated. And if you want to take it further and bring it you know, into your own profession, you know, taking classes, going to school, whatever it is, but you don't have to do that to have an understanding of something. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree with you largely. And also you're someone who seems to be very um, skilled at speaking to both sides, if you will. There's so much breeding of, of division right now, but based on your Facebook activity recently and in other ways that I've perceived you, you're really interested in asking questions, finding out more, not casting judgments. And from what I've seen, you do back up your arguments with <laughs> either peer-reviewed studies or other articles that are reliable source of data. Um, so let's jump, just cut to the chase of, <laughs> of vaccines and what you've been warning everyone about during this entire yeah, year. I mean, oh, it's such, a, it's such a touchy, you know, it's such a touchy topic because there's yeah. this whole kind of attitude of labeling anybody who isn't supportive of the vaccine agenda as, you know, anti-vaxxers, conspiracy theorists, they don't back science or any of that. And that's just so not true. I just want to say in and of itself, the concept of a vaccine does not completely turn me off. Like, if I think about the concept of it, it's like, okay, but the truth is we've never done this in a way that's safe, that is fully effective, that's non-toxic. And so for that reason, I don't support it. And I also do believe in our ability to heal and our immune system. And I believe that that's where we need to be focusing on. And that's what we need to build up before we just start injecting ourselves with really questionable ingredients and you know, I, it's not new for me. My, my feeling about the, the COVID vaccine that's out there, I, I'm not a supporter of any of them, but I haven't been a supporter of vaccines at all in my life. I have never personally been vaccinated. I chose to have my children never be vaccinated. I grew up around people that educated me. You know, I remember growing up in the house with the book, uh, Confessions of a Medical Heretic, which is an old book from the 70s. I, I don't even remember the doctor's name, but he was coming forward talking about what he saw and his reasons for not supporting 
vaccinations in children. And, and so I know that's a very controversial thing for many people, but let's say putting all the other vaccines before that have come before right now, just putting them aside, putting my, my views on them aside, all of our views on them. And we're just looking at right now, this mRNA vaccine that's going out into people. And the truth is there's never been anything like this. There's never been anything like this. And it is a, it's such an experiment. I mean, there's already in the vaccines that have already been being put into humans, there's already so many questionable ingredients and there are, many, many, many documented vaccine injuries and deaths. That's, that's not a conspiracy theory. You can, you can find that data and see it for yourself. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of parents that can tell you that their children were definitely changed and impaired and injured after vaccines. And so we have all of that. And so you take the new stuff and it's already got a lot of that old toxic stuff in it anyways but it has a lot of really questionable aspects to it that we don't fully understand. We don't fully understand what the long-term effects are. And most vaccines have at least four years, four years of testing before they're unleashed. And these ones, what did we have like several months? I mean, honestly, I have suspicions that they were working on these quite a long time ago, but still we don't fully know all of that. We don't have access to that information and already, within just a few months, we are seeing so many injuries, so many deaths, so many people, and, and anyone who tries to talk about it in community, which is social media right now, you know, they try to talk about it publicly and sharing and having these discussions, they'll find very quickly you're going to be censored. You know, I, I posted in a comment of someone's post because they were asking something about vaccine ingredients. I, I posted a photo that had a list of ingredients commonly found in vaccines. And within five minutes, I was being blocked from posting or commenting on Facebook for three days. You know, so you'll find very quickly, you can't have these discussions and we have to ask why. Like, why can we not have these discussions? If we know, if we go to the VAERS website, which is hosted by the CDC, and you see the thousands and thousands of injuries and the negative impact and the deaths even that have happened just since, what, December when these rolled out? And, and we can't talk about that. That to me alone is enough to say, you know, there's no way. There's no way that I can be a supporter of something that we can't openly discuss and prove is safe before pushing onto the people. <laughs> Yes, agreed. And it, it, it's such a double standard on one hand to speak of the common good as defined by the powers that be, not the way we define it, right? And say, um, you know, we need to care for the vulnerable. We can't have our full freedoms based on this state of emergency that we're in, right? This is, this is the narrative that's being fed to us. And we have to be kind and compassionate. And on the other hand, when we're practicing that very kindness and compassion and caring for these injured individuals that are injured for the rest of their lives or just deceased exactly. we are not given the opportunity to discuss the correlation between the vaccine and the injury itself so yeah. how is that not obvious to someone out there i mean i i think a lot of these stories make it to the local news primarily but but as far as the main channels they don't they don't really report on such and such died the way we see these news roll in on vaccineimpact.com or life site news or whatever it is that you're following you don't have to be from a religious denomination or any other background to to be to be reading those magazines or telegram groups or just eyewitness accounts there's quite a bit out there um 
can you share your your testimonial of first of all before i want to before asking you about the right now the shedding issue that is being discussed very passionately um mm -hmm. you also were receiving a lot of information from people who took the vaccine and were reporting side effects right from the beginning yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting uh, i was what's that Oh, I think our I was video, hearing a video is lagging a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Could be me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was hearing a lot of reports. Um, I mean, I was seeing I was in some some private groups where people were reporting uh, what they experienced after having the vaccine. And I was seeing like just crazy stuff like I, I can't even name it all. I mean, convulsions and strokes and rashes and unexplained bleeding and deaths and heart attacks. And I mean, all this stuff, you don't hear about this. You don't hear it on NPR. You don't hear it on CBS. You're not hearing it, you know, in any of the news channels that you're going to find on, on the mainstream media. Like, as you said, you're going to find it in these kind of obscure other kind of independent places. And then in these private groups where people have a little more freedom to share. And so I was in there and then I started kind of on the periphery hearing a little bit about women, um, women of all ages and not just women, actually female children included. So females of all ages having strange experiences to, to their cycles with bleeding, with cramping, with clotting, and even in children who had never menstruated before and even in women who had already gone through menopause miscarriages all these things and at the time i was like doing some advanced uh training classes for neurofeedback i couldn't really dive into the information so that's, that's why i said it was kind of on the periphery um and then uh it happened to me <laughs> the the changes the cycle changes happened to me and it took me a little bit to put it together what was going on uh, and then I really started diving deep and I put a, a message out there for people to contact me if they had experienced anything, knew anything, had information to share. And I was just flooded, flooded, like on my Facebook page and my private messages and my emails, people reaching out and telling me about what they were experiencing. And then there was a group that was started on Facebook. And within about two weeks, it reached over 20,000 members, all women, only women reporting these things about bleeding and cycles and all of that, that group got shut down. It got turned into another group, but through that, like I was really able to see how widespread this is. And I know that, you know, Christian Northrup and uh, Sherry Tenpenny, they've talked about it. There's been videos, other people, um, Del Bigtree touched on it some last week. And so that greater kind of health community of journalists, researchers, doctors who are interested in, in the truth, they are aware of it. And it's something that's been happening on a pretty big scale. Yes. So what exactly happened? Ha have your periods been pretty regular for the most part? And you saw the aberration yeah. and was it other symptoms? Like, did you feel something yeah. neurological yeah. or? Yeah. So uh, I've been working in a clinic a couple of days a week. So I have my own personal practice and I've been working in a clinic doing neurofeedback. And I do know that, and most of the people coming in there, cause it was a functional, it's a functional medicine clinic. There's chiropractic, you know, there's all kinds of alternative therapies. Most of the people coming in there are already on a pretty healthy path, but I did know there was a couple people that mentioned to me uh, that they were very excited. They were going to be getting the vaccine. And I just never went into the conversation with him, but I knew of him. 
And then I remember there was a guy that came and he stopped and he talked to me and he told me he had just had his vaccine. And then a few days later, I had the worst headache of my life for like two days, the whole like left side of my body, like, like my shoulder, my neck, everything just like seizing up and couldn't figure it out. Like what in the heck? I, I don't feel like I ate anything that was weird or exposed to anything. Not sure what that was. And it honestly didn't make sense to me. And then, but I, it later I put it together that it was, I believe being exposed to him. And then I felt really tired and funky for a few days. Fast forward about a week later and uh, a woman that was coming into the clinic for a while, she had, she was having a lot of pain anyways. She asked me if I would give her some acupuncture and body work and uh, which I, I didn't do a lot of in this clinic, but I went in on a day when the clinic wasn't open just to meet with her. And when I got there, she told me that she had just received the COVID vaccine, her second COVID vaccine about two days, three days earlier. And within about three days, about 36 hours, or no, about a day and a half, 36 hours of working on her, I was cramping, bleeding, horrible headache. I never cramp. I have had super regular cycles for many, many, many years. So this was about two weeks earlier than my cycle would normally come. And I was like, oh, that's strange, you know? And I still, at that time, didn't really put it together. And then fast forward two weeks, I get my normal period, like the normal time, actually no cramping, clotting, nothing like that. And then fast forward about a week or so, and I was in the room with somebody, in a room with somebody who had been vaccinated with his second vaccination about 24 hours earlier. And within three days, I was cramping, I was bleeding again. And then it happened another time where I was in the room with somebody for about 10 minutes. They had been vaccinated about 36 hours, 36, 48 hours earlier. And within about 24 hours, I was severely cramping and bleeding and headaches. And, and that happened all within about six weeks. <laughs> yeah. That sounds pretty intense. And thank you for filling in all the details because I think through modes of observation, we, we, we are figuring out that something's going on. There's a lot yeah. of commonalities among these symptoms. There's nosebleeds and there's skin rashes as well seem to be manifesting, but it's majority is women, there's men. And why women? Why do you think women? I mean, for listeners who are not familiar with how connected we all are hormonally. I mean, I, I think it's happening to both. I think it's happening to women and men, but because women bleed and they're so in tune with their cycles, I think it's more obvious what's going on. And perhaps, I'm not sure, I really don't know, perhaps it's affecting women stronger than men, but I, I do believe that the biggest factor of all of this is an impact on fertility. And we're already seeing that there's already, infertility rates are already rising, miscarriages are rising stillbirths have risen just within the last couple months and so yeah is it designed in a certain way to affect female fertility or is it designed in a way to affect male and female fertility and I know that you know that's a weird thing and it sounds really out there but we have to understand there are people that have an idea that our population should be reduced and they also 
have talked about vaccines helping with that. So who knows? I think we need to be open to everything right now, you know, to all of it. Um, one thing that I've come across in some of my research into this topic, because people have said like, no, how could that happen? How could, there's just no possible way that a vaccinated person can spread something to an unvaccinated person. And those of us who have researched and understand the vaccines in the past, they had live viruses in them and those live viruses would jump, so to speak, shed, spread to others and, and create infections in people who had never been vaccinated. So people are saying, but wait, this doesn't have a live virus. This is a completely different technology. And yet there's evidence that goes all the way back to the 1990s where scientists have been working on creating self-spreading vaccines. And so there, that's a long period of time to be able to work on something. And if that's happening now, I'm not surprised. I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I have no doubt there is something spreading through this. The other part is to understand that they included nanotechnology into this this we're talking something that is able to be very very minute and they're able to program it in a certain way to do certain things and it's it, there's already evidence not necessarily evidence of this vaccine doing this but that nanotechnology can spread can jump can move around and so you know we have to consider all of it was this being planned out and studied and you know, created over decades? Is, was that the intention? Is the intention to affect fertility? Because it is affecting fertility. It is affecting the reproductive system of, I believe, both men and women, but more women are reporting it. And what are the effects of nanotechnology and its ability to replicate and jump to another person? And then even the fact that this vaccine, even though it's not a vaccine, it it doesn't stop what it was designed to do. There's not like a stopping point of, of what it does. It's continually replicating and continually creating that process over and over and over the long-term effects on, on DNA and its ability to shed or jump. We don't know. We really don't know. Exactly. All this time we're, we're being told that there's no cure for COVID. And now everyone held their breath for the vaccine to arrive as the salvation of humanity. And the vaccine is not cure for COVID. And not only that, <laughs> but I, I, I found a peer reviewed article, which I will attach to this interview in the, in the comments um, that talks about just the spike protein itself, not attached to any viral, um, no, no virus involved. They did a study on that being a major health risk threat related to blood clotting and, um, yeah, and we know the vaccine contains that, correct? So the body yeah. becomes sort of like a manufacturing site for antibodies to the spike protein. And it, it, it jumpstarts sort of an overreaction of the immune system, yeah. from what I understand. So yeah. why wouldn't shedding be part of that if the body is just mobilized to produce, mount a response? Well, so. and there's even like, if you have the time and the patience to read through some of the, the Pfizer papers that came mm -hmm. out of the vaccine trials, in those papers, um, if you can get a hold of and on my Facebook page and one of my posts that talks about this issue, if you look through the comments, there is a link to those Pfizer papers. And they, they talk about it in there. Like they talk about the ability of infection coming from someone being around 
either through inhalation or touching of the skin of being around someone who received this shot that, that it can spread. I mean, they say it they, and they know that most people don't have the time or patience to read a hundred something pages to find that little piece of information. But what they probably overlook too often is there are people like that. There's people like us that do scour those papers and find that piece of information so that the truth can get out there. And it is out there, just not a lot of people are seeing it yet. Yes, absolutely. When I share just the facts, the studies, uh, the literature, uh, just today, someone posted a comment to my sharing, a mainstream article titled, you why you should not be doing your own research. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, now here's an apology for ignorance. And um, what can I say? Submiss submission to to the ones that are in the know and, and, and we are simply being experimented on it. Just, I find it so hard to fathom and you and I understand each other very well, but I mean, isn't it so, isn't it so hard for us to process all of this because we so genuinely care from our hearts for the well-being of others. And yet we're maligned and excluded and yeah. And it's, you know, so I, I had made fun of, made fun of essentially, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, so I had cancer and healed myself of cancer. And I remember, you know, so that was like over 12 years ago. And at that time, it was something you couldn't talk about very much. You couldn't talk very much in depth about healing cancer naturally. And you would be censored, you would be targeted. And I knew that. And so I was very careful. And yet I still, I stepped out a lot and I had a lot of backlash, a lot of criticism. And I've seen the same thing, you know, with parents or people who are really speaking out about autism and its connection to vaccines. And, and so I see now where it's become, it's like now actually, <laughs> I can talk very openly uh, on social media about healing cancer. I could detail, you know, what I did. It's not the hot topic anymore. You know, at that time, they really wanted to get people buying into the whole chemo thing. It's a huge, huge money-making industry. So it's, you couldn't talk about healing it naturally you know, because that would interfere. And so then also same thing, if these people came forward and talked about autism and how it developed after vaccines, well, you can't do that because you can't sell vaccines. And so we're seeing the same exact thing. I've been seeing it since 2020 and the parallels about it, like with COVID and with this vaccine, we just can't go there publicly, you know, without being, like you said, ridiculed, made fun of, discredited, pushed out it's it really reminds me of if you've ever read um what's it called the brave new world and and it's not the whole book, book right and so it's like this whole culture where they're pretty much brainwashed and medicated and and taught to be subservient workers and there's this guy who's just like i don't want any of that and i'm gonna go live my life and he's living like out and away from them and they're always telling everybody like he's crazy he's dangerous don't talk to him stay away from him mm -hmm. and, and i see that happening you know anybody who's really waking up and speaking truth and speaking out out of concern and care they're being told like no they're crazy like you know look at, at dr mikovitz dr judy mikovitz who came forward and she's been 
you know, like I'm a biologist for many, many, many years, worked on the development of vaccines, studied virology, you know, very in-depth training and experience. And she's speaking out from her experience, but no, she because it doesn't toe the party line, she's a complete heretic. She's crazy. Like we can't even talk about her. You're going to lose your social media account if you say her name. <laughs> I'm like, come on, this is it's like the brave new world. It's like the crazy John guy, you know, that's what the truth speakers have become. Exactly. What do you think is creating this sort of suppression of even logical thinking or the ability to reason through the facts and the information? Do you think it's the fear mongering itself and the added confusion on top of it because there's contradicting pieces being thrown at people and they feel sort of like not in their power because they can't, they're told they can't comprehend it and they're given even more contradictory pieces of information wear masks don't wear masks you know do this do that this vaccine oh no this one we're gonna put it on hold we're gonna now fade in the other one and and, and so so maybe the confusion and the fear together lead to anxiety and people would just to my mind that's my interpretation would do anything to assuage that condition of depression of anxiety of overwhelm yeah. what are you finding now with people's psychological yeah. state I think, you know, if I look back, at least in the United States, I can say, you know, I've lived in other places and it's, it's different in every place that I've been. But if I look back in the United States and the level of trauma that's been induced on the population, especially since 9-11, if any, if I, I don't know if you were here or if you visited the States during that time, but we yep. would have terror alerts. Like it's a yellow terror day. I don't know, it's an orange terror day. And that being pumped in over and over and over and over, along with so many other things, right? It, it, we have this trauma already in us. We already have this anxiety from living in that. And it's not just 9-11. I mean, it goes far back beyond that. And then you fast forward to this whole pandemic thing. And the truth is, one of the things I see like so clearly with this is that, and it, I saw this long before COVID, just the work that I do and working in, in health with people is that most people, even people who live what they think is a healthy lifestyle, don't have a very good understanding of how the body works, of how it heals, what makes it sick, how what the bodily systems are. Like you ask somebody, what does your metabolic system do? They probably don't know. What does your lymphatic system do? They probably don't know. You know, how, how do you boost your immune system? What does it look like when your immune system is weak? They don't know. They really don't know. They might know like, hey, it's probably a good idea if I eat organic or if I exercise or this or that. And they rely on outside sources to be telling them what's healthy and what's not healthy. So they're in a disempowered state already, unless you really understand. And I learned that so well when, I, when my body broke down is I had no empowerment when it came to my health until I started to educate myself and understand how it worked. So here you have, the powers that be coming along and saying like, hey, there's this really scary, deadly illness out there that you can get just from someone breathing near you. You got to stay in your house. And then they pump the media with all these pictures of death and dying and suffering and people telling the stories. And, you know, I think that that was just a huge hit on the mental health of the, the grand population of humanity. You know, they got freaked out because they don't understand. Like anybody who's been through chronic illness and healed themselves, or they've dealt with health issues and, and they were actively involved, they probably weren't as afraid, you know, because there's a better understanding or anybody who works in that field of healing and really understands the body and healing. But that's not most people, not, that's not even most doctors and nurses, you know, 
So I think people got really freaked out to the point that when they said, hey, here's this shot that can end it all. You don't have to worry. And they've been living in anxiety. You know, people are like, all right. And it's amazing because there's a lot of people I know who have followed a path of purity and holistic living, natural living, you know, that they forego, forego antidepressants and learn how to do yoga instead. And those types of things coming forward and being like, okay, I'm ready. And I just saw like how well this whole propaganda machine worked, you know, it really did a good job and influencing and convincing a lot of people who may not, you know, a couple of years ago been signing up to get to get these shots. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that word propaganda machine because actually my background is in media studies and I'm a documentary filmmaker, um, video artist. And even in graduate school, we were literally taught to unpack how the narrative is woven on mass media. Um, and so, what you described, I call it fear porn, or maybe a combination of these images of death combined um, with um, sobbing stories or sob stories, you know, like things that we normally would activate uh, the compassion center, but so sort of overdone, right? Like, you know, there might've been thousands of people who died of cancer that day, but we're just not choosing to focus on them and feature them and give them maximum exposure. So that manipulation was so clear to me from the media angle. So either you have to have some preparation of deconstructing the mainstream media, or you, you, you must've had some preparation knowing about natural health to understand that something was rotten with this narrative from the very beginning. Otherwise many people, fell for it. And what's most shocking to us is the holistic health community and how that internally got divided. Um, because what was being amplified is that this is okay, yes, do, you know, do both, you know, reinforce your immune system and, and, and do all the natural remedies, but it's a novel virus. It's so complicated. We're going to bring so many possible angles to the story and experts to tell you how novel and different and dangerous it is, and contagious that you can't possibly, you have to, you have to concede to our version of the story. That's what I saw with the holistic people that also became pro-vaccine or um, just yeah. basically fell for the fear mongering. Well, what do we do? I think I want to conclude on a positive note. You've, you've been this advocate for unity consciousness and um, how do we unify when we see more division happening? We're, I mean, are you trepidatious now? Who's going to walk into your office next? Or who am I going to get exposed to? My father's getting on a plane to come here and be with me. He will be exposed, right? So how do we tackle this? That's such a good question. Um, and unfortunately, as much as I, I am someone who really believes in creating conscious and sustainable community, and creating more opportunities for us to unify and find common ground. That's, that's something so, so important to me. I also really feel like there are going, there's going to be some division on this and there's just an inevitable divide that, that we're gonna have to, to get through. Now, my prayer is that regardless of that divide of whatever side you're on, whatever way you see it, I, I just hope that we can find a way to have the ability to live together without violence, without attacking each other, without hurting each other. Because I think there's just some people who at this point in time, now I don't know, a couple years down the line, a little further down, 
uh, people might change their minds, but right now there's just some people who are so strong on one side and others who are so strong on the other side, but there's still a lot of people asking questions and not sure what side they're on. So to, to that, I would like to say, we need to have more discussions like we're having. We need to speak up with each other. We need to not push any ideas on anybody. That's never going to be a good idea, but create a space where we can talk, where we can talk regardless if we don't see eye to eye, regardless if we're not necessarily at the same exact place, but we can ask questions and, and we can discuss and we can share our views and listen to the other person's views and create more space for people to come forward and share their experiences. If they've had the vaccine, if they've been injured, if their family member has, that they have a safe space that they can receive support and share that. And that if we really do, as so many people are saying these days, trust science. And uh, I just wanna say, I do too. I really mm -hmm. do, I trust science. I, I trust that we have the ability to find truth and uphold truth. And ultimately that's what science is about. And so when you say you trust science, that means you have to be open to the truth, perhaps beyond what you thought it was. And so if we, we do, if we trust science and we wanna pull that piece into the whole matter, then we need to open up more study and more research and more examination and more time and have patience to have these discussions because ultimately if we're doing this to better humanity if that's the idea behind the vaccines if if we're doing that to to be set free from this isolation and restrictions well we want to do that in a good way in a safe way and right now i feel that with the level of injury that's happened to so many people from receiving the vaccines that we need to have that discussion and we need to do those studies and we need to take some more time before we're offering up more people and now it looks like children even. <laughs> and so everybody has to understand these are not FDA approved. These were emergency authorization and it's still an experiment. So yeah, let's, uh, let's continue talking and researching and studying. And, and if you hear from somebody that has something to share that perhaps challenges your views, maybe just bite your tongue and listen and try to keep an open mind and an open heart so that we can all provide some safe space to, to talk about these things. Thank you so much, Zara. Thank you for your time. And how do people find you or reach out to you if they want to have a personal question or work with you or just even be on one of these groups that you're moderating? I, I see your friend right there in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. She has a little bit of a separation anxiety. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Near me all the time. Um, my name's Zara Sita, Z-A-H-R-A-H. The last name is S-I-T-A. So if you take my name.com, there's my website, you'll see the, the work that I do. That's my personal business with coaching and consulting and holistic detox programs. And the same thing, I typically use my name, just Zara Sita on all of my social media accounts. So Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, you're going to find me there. I do run um, a private group on Facebook and it was originally meant for people who are doing my holistic detox program, but it's kind of turned into, I've opened it up for people who really just want to educate themselves and get support on healing and living a healthy lifestyle. And that is called Love Body Detox. And so if you search that on, on Facebook, you'll find that group, you can come and join us there. And I also have an Instagram account for the Love Body Detox page. Um, so those are the main places to find me. Just look up my name on social media. <laughs> Not too many people have it.
Exactly. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for doing your part. Thank you for raising your voice. Thank you for not giving in or giving up. It's not an easy journey, but you're definitely shining your light. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always good to connect and talk with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conscious Living Conversations. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And find your conscious tribe on our new social network, consciousliving.social. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.